Welcome to the Greater Philly Church Podcast, where you'll learn to connect to Jesus and others through great teaching, inspirational stories, and relevant content. I'm Matt Manning, the pastor of Greater Philly Church, and my goal is to help you understand yourself, your relationships, and life in light of who Jesus is and what He's done for you. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, this is Matt Manny, wanting to give you a bonus episode once again from Greater Philly Church, and uh, excited for you to be able to join us in the middle of the series of talking about Job, the life of Job, and how can God be good in the midst of grief. If you listen to this past uh, episode, we talked about how to process your pain. And uh, if you've come into this series, we've got a five-part series with all this two weeks ago, two episodes ago, uh, actually technically three episodes ago, uh, we talked about um, how to know if God is mad at you. And then we did a bonus episode then of um, kind of working through um, just understanding the story of Job and his point of view, God's point of view, Satan's point of view, and our point of view. And then this past episode for this last message, we looked at how to process your pain and really uh, talking through uh, Job's perspective and what Job worked through and walked through. And so these bonus episodes really are a chance for me to go ahead and give extra uh, information and other content that I wasn't able to cover as I was going through my study. And it's kind of a behind the scenes kind of thing. And so one of the things that you probably heard as we went through uh, processing your pain, we talked about how to identify and name your emotion. And so when you're going through things, and as Job was processing his pain, one of the things that he talks about is he says, I am going to share my pain and how uh, I feel about God and the things I'm struggling with with God. He says, I'm going to go ahead and, and kind of let it all let it all go. I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to restrain myself from the bitterness of, of my soul. And the difficulty uh, is as we're going through this difficulty and emotion and the things we struggle with, we really dove into understanding that some people have no problem uh, enunciating and talking about what's going on inside. Now, sometimes those people can be few and far between. And uh, as I've done study and research and some reading on this topic of Job, one of the things I came across uh, over this last uh, little bit of these last few weeks of understanding different personalities and how different people process life, what they're afraid of, what they need. And so one of the things that came up and I think is really tough for us is this, how to identify and name the emotions and what's going on inside. If you've ever felt yourself where somebody says, hey, what are you, what are you feeling or what are you thinking? And you're like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I know I'm frustrated. I know I'm upset, but I can't really pinpoint what's going on. It's, it's really frustrating. It's almost like uh, losing your eyesight or losing one of your senses because you can't explain what's going on and why, why what's happening is happening. And so we struggle through and we work through these difficulties and things. And so some people have no problem uh, going ahead and and working through what they're feeling and how they're emoting and going through the issues that they're going through. Other people, they see emotions as a sign of weakness and vulnerability 
And if I'm vulnerable and I express how I'm feeling, you might try to take advantage of me. You're not safe. And so I can't express my emotions. Other people, they're really good at seeing emotions in other people, but they can't really identify and express the emotions in themselves. And if they start to try to go there, it's just they overreact or underreact. They just have the lack of of emotional awareness in themselves. Then there's some people that they know there's emotion. They know there's feeling, but it's a sort of a sense of I can't uh, uh, do anything with those emotions because if I do, then you might not accept me. And if I focus on myself or if I try to take care of those emotions and go there, um, it's just uh, I, I don't want to I don't want to do that because you might not accept me. And so for those people, they will look at your emotions and they'll look at other people's emotions and they'll try to mirror those emotions in a situation because if they can mirror your emotions, then they feel like they can connect with you. And if they can connect with you, then you can accept them. And so this is almost like a connector, a chameleon type of thing where they have lots of relationships that are only an inch deep, though, and they're a mile wide. And so there's not not necessarily a lot of depth there emotionally because they really don't want to go there and try to try to name their emotions. And there are people that are maybe a little bit more peaceful. And so if they name their emotion, then they might feel that they're going to be rejected by somebody. And so they really hide their emotion. They don't go there with their emotions. And so they try not to name what's going on in their life. And so they just have had a knack of just clamming up. So there's the, the blow up, the person who's very emotional, and they get very angry, and that's okay for that emotion. But when it comes to really telling and connecting that anger with what's really going on deep inside that hurt, they can't be vulnerable. So that was kind of like what we talked about early on. Uh, there's the clam up, the blow up, there's the store up, who is, boy, I'm not going to deal with my emotion right now. I'll just put it aside. I'll repress it, suppress it, and just kind of push it away. And then eventually, I'll go ahead and 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 eventually... Some at some point deal with it. The problem is the more we stuff it and store it up, we lack control over when and where and how those emotions will either rear their ugly head. And so as we jump in, we're going to go ahead, and this is not an exhaustive list, but this is just uh, some stuff to be able to help you identify um, going through. And there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine different uh, actions. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at actions, things that we want to do that we have a predisposed leaning toward doing. Talking about Job and suffering. So he's going through a lot of difficult things. You're going through some difficult things right now. And so there's things that you naturally want to do. You want to hide. You want to fight. You want to lash out. You want to push aside. You want to pull away. You want to engage. You want to confront. And so with all these different emotions that you have, maybe inside, they are surfacing as actions. So if we can identify the action, we can correlate that action with the emotion. What's happening on the external is identifying what's taking place on the internal. So if our problem is, I don't know what I'm feeling inside, but I know what I want to do on the outside, we can go ahead and identify emotions. And so just to throw it out there, as we are getting ready to, to dive in here, one of the questions that can come up is, well, what's the point of identifying the emotion? Well, once you can identify the emotion, then we can start to deal with the root issue and the problem at heart. Instead of saying, just stop being angry, or stop pulling away, or stop isolating, most people have a, have a hard time stopping or starting some action, some behavior. 
They have a hard time stopping what they're doing or starting something else. Until we know why we're doing what we're doing and the motivation, what's motivating us, we really can't get at the root to fix the issue and to work through the thing. So if you can't name your emotions, think about it this way. Whatever event that's happening outside of you, the pain, the struggle, the conflict, how do you want to respond to that from inside? And so the action, so we'll start with number one. The first action we're going to talk about is if you have a a propensity or a desire to pull away from people, if you say, I want to pull away, I want to try to isolate myself, the question is, why are you doing that action? Why are you pulling away from people? You have friends who used to get together all the time. Every Friday night, you guys would go out and get together and spend time together. Uh, every Sunday afternoon, you would have a family meal and you get together with family. Uh, Monday night would be a game night, maybe a poker night or whatever you want to do and spend time with people. But now you're starting to pull away. You're going through something that's very difficult and very painful, but you don't want to spend time with people because you know that they're going to ask you how things are going. And so your action is pulling away. So the question is why? We ask this question, why? So the question for us is this, are you afraid of rejection? The action is pulling away. Could it be that if people find out what's going on in your life or what you're going through, that they may push you away because of the situation or whatever it might be, how things are unfolding? Are they going to push you away? Are they going to reject you? And so you're going to pull away before they have a chance to push away. The emotion that you're dealing with, the fear that you're dealing with, that fear of rejection is tied to this fear or this emotion of abandonment. Maybe as a kid, you had a time where your parents, maybe your parents abandoned you or somebody that you loved passed away or something took place where you felt this deep sense of loneliness and aloneness and that you had nobody there to support you. And so now when you're trying to work through a struggle and work through a situation, your automatic knee-jerk reaction is instead of engaging people, you pull away from people. Why? Because you're fearful of them abandoning you. You have this deep sense and fear of abandonment. The second action that we can talk about is the act of confronting something bad's happening. And so your natural reaction is, I want to jump into this. I want to confront this. I want to tackle this. I want to fight. And so why do you desperately want to confront other people? Your world is falling apart and you have all this stress. And so maybe your world is falling apart at work in that arena of life, and your boss isn't respecting you, you didn't get the promotion, you're very disappointed. And so instead of, uh, maybe and this is like a passive way of dealing with it, instead of dealing with the issue at work, you go home and all you're doing is getting on your husband, or you're getting on your wife, or your your partner, and you're getting on your kids, and you're confronting them with things, and you're just causing conflict all around you. Why are you doing that? Maybe the flip side is the other way, where you're having a problem at home. Your wife is pulling away from you because she's afraid of abandonment, and your kids are distancing from you because they're afraid of you, because you're, you're stressed out because of work. And so it's a cyclical process. So you go to work, and because of the stress at home, you go ahead and take that out on your coworkers and on your maybe the people that report to you. And you're constantly trying to confront people and trying to, to like play whack-a-mole. So what's going on here? Why are we doing this? Are we afraid? So the question of why, are you afraid of being embarrassed? That if you don't have the situation locked down, and we're going to tie this into this next action, which these go together, confronting, the next one go together hand in hand. Are you afraid of being embarrassed? 
that if you don't play on the offensive, you might end up on the defensive and you might be embarrassed and it will be your pride. Because if your pride that you're afraid that people will call you on something and so they're going to confront you and you don't want to be on your heels, you want to be on the balls of your feet instead of on the heels. And so you're going to confront and you're going to get to people before they can get to you. This third action then that correlates with an emotion, this third action and also goes with the last one of confronting. Confronting is also controlling. You want to control your situation. So why are you controlling? Why are you trying to make sure everything is is a certain way in different areas of your life, in different arenas? Are you afraid of needing, uh, of losing control? So if you find yourself, people don't listen to you, things don't move when you push on them, things don't come when you pull on them, and things seem to be out of your control and you're losing control, you become more controlling and micromanaging in other areas then, and it's connected to this emotion of incompetence. So pulling away is connected to abandonment, confronting is connected to pride, and controlling, the action of controlling, is connected to you don't want people to think that you're incompetent. And it even goes a little bit, a little bit deeper. Maybe there was some point where you found yourself being disrespected and you didn't like that feeling. Maybe people laughed at you, and so the pride and the incompetence go hand in hand. And so your thought is, I don't ever want to be put in a situation that I don't feel like I have the upper hand. I don't ever want to be in a situation where I feel like things are out of my control. And so we find ourselves looking to try to um, try to try to control the situation. Why? Because of our emotion dealing with incompetence. And then the fourth action is deflecting. That is, we're dealing with a situation and we can try to confront it and control it, or we try to deflect it and and direct it away from us. If somebody comes to us and says, hey, I see that you're struggling, and our response is, no, 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 I'm, I'm good, I'm good, I'm fine. It's really not that bad. I'm, I'm, I'm not having any issues or problems. What are we doing? We're deflecting. Why are we deflecting? Well, it's because there's this fear of needing help. If I show you I need help, and these all kind of go in line with one another, if I express to you that I need your help, you may come and take advantage of the situation you may come and I might be embarrassed or lose control, or you might come and try to take control of what I'm struggling with. And so there's this fear of vulnerability. So somebody comes to you, hey, can I help you? Nope, I'm good. But the reality is you desperately need somebody to break through and somebody to help you. And if you had them come through and show them that you had some weakness and had some vulnerabilities, they might begin to think less of you. The fear is that they might begin to uh, feel that they can have the upper hand over you. And so all these things go right in line. There's the pride, the incompetence, the vulnerability, which leads right into our fifth. Our fifth action is perfecting. Why are we trying to make things just right and perfect? We look at things perfecting and controlling. If you tell somebody they're a control freak, they'll say, yep, thank you very much. Thank you for noticing. But a perfect person, if you try to perfect something and somebody says, why are you being such a control freak? They'll get offended. They'll take it personally. They're very sensitive. Why? Well, they are trying to perfect things because they're afraid of imperfection. They're afraid that if their world, if their child, if their dress, if their hairstyle, if how they look or present themselves, their job, the project that they've worked on, if it's not just right and perfect, they're fearful of criticism. For perfect people, and if you're perfecting something, 
and you ask for feedback, you're not looking for people to go ahead and really truly give you feedback. You're looking for an attaboy. Hey, good job. Way to go. That's that's perfect. That's great. Uh, you did a fantastic job. But many times people don't read that as, as true feedback. They read that as, well, that's just kissing up. That's just sucking up. And so most people will then, they'll criticize and say, well, you could change this or change that or do this better. And so all of a sudden now we've thrown ourselves into a, a difficult situation where we're being criticized. And so we find ourselves, this criticism then leads to the next the next emotion or the next action. And that is this of backfilling. Backfilling is this. I'm going to criticize me before you can criticize me. I'm going to go ahead and self-deprecate and put myself down and turn the gun on myself before you can turn the gun on me. And so for this person, the action is backfilling. They're criticizing themselves. Why? There is this deep sense of disgust that of if I go ahead and reject me before you can reject me, then this will salve my pain and the hurt that I'm feeling inside that the pain and suffering I'm going through, God is doing that because he's mad at me or he's not happy with me because there's something missing in my life. I'm not doing something or I'm doing too much of something. I can't figure it out. And so this sense of disgust is that I'm just frustrated and disgusted with myself. I don't even want to be with myself. And it can be very toxic and very unhealthy. Then we have this next one, overthinking. This is more of the person who's contemplative, where instead of being moved to action, they are moved to think through things and, and uh, talk through things and try to process in their mind. And so what are they doing? If you're trying to think your way through a situation, it's really tied to this issue of shame. And when we talk about shame in different categories and in different arenas and different areas of life, but there's a sense of lacking confidence from actions. I should have known better. And the situation that you might be in, the struggle that you might be going through, say, man, I brought this on myself. I should have known better. And so we go back in our mind and we rehearse and replay all the scenarios and think, man, if I would have said this, if I would have done this, things would turn out so much better for me. If I would have not let that person in, if I would have worked on this on my own, if I wouldn't have allowed this person to try to come and support me, then things wouldn't be the way they are. I wouldn't be abandoned. I wouldn't be uh, not in control. And so all of a sudden we try to begin overthinking things because there's this sense of shame. We should be ashamed of ourselves and nothing can be further from the truth. Then the last two then, the last second to last one is this combative, being combating or being combative. And this goes in line with, with uh, being confronting, confrontational or controlling. The question here for us is this, are we being combative? Are we, are we combating people around us and just fighting with con being contentious is because we're afraid of what more we'll lose. Are you afraid of what more you'll lose? So you've lost a promotion, you've lost opportunities, you've lost friendships. And so all of a sudden, instead of kind of taking a step back and thinking through and processing what's going on, all of a sudden we start combating people around us and we start picking fights. I've seen this happen in relationships and as a pastor, as a friend and as a counselor, I've seen people who they like chaos and they like to be combative because they don't know any other way to handle life. And what's it, what it's tied to is a sense of jealousy. The sense of jealousy is this, it's that they are fearful of losing more. They're fearful of losing something. And jealousy and envy, they're very close. And we'll talk about envy in just a minute. But jealousy is this, I am afraid of what I have is going to be taken away from me more. 
So whether that's a possession, whether that's a relationship, or even a respect, or a sense of dignity, or a, a, um, a social status, that I'm going to combat and I'm going to put you in your place because I have a certain status I want to retain. And so in a social gathering, if I find that there are other people around me who are maybe have a higher status than I do, before I can go ahead and get knocked down a couple notches, I'm going to go ahead and, and kind of get in their face a little bit and maybe get a little confrontational, maybe a little combative, throwing myself out there, puffing my chest out. Why? Because I'm struggling with jealousy. Then this last one. So we have... Uh, pulling away is abandonment. Confronting is pride. Number three, controlling is incompetence. Number four, deflecting is vulnerability. Number five, perfecting is dealing with the fear of criticism. Number six, backfilling is struggling with the emotion of disgust. Number seven, overthinking is dealing with the emotion of shame. Number eight, combating is dealing with the emotion of envy. And then number nine, for our last one, and then we'll bring it on home, is this is we are very condescending. Now, this one's tough because we don't necessarily see ourselves as being people who are condescending. We don't look at ourselves and say, oh, uh, they're very condescending or I'm very condescending, but it's looking at people and kind of picking them apart. It's a little bit of being a critical eye where you see people and you just can't help yourself by saying, well, you know, I work a little harder than that or I don't look like that, or wow, you, you walked out of the house wearing that today? Hmm, that's different. And it's all these, not necessarily coming out, it's all these little subtleties and insinuations, innuendos and little nuances where you don't come right out and say that, that another person is worse off than you, that you're better than somebody else because you'd never bring yourself to do that. But there's this constant just vibe that people are getting from you that you're being uh, very condescending. So What's going on inside? Are you wishing that you had somebody else's life? And really, the emotion is this. It's envy. Jealousy is I don't want to lose what I have. Envy is I want what somebody else has. And so as we work through this and struggle through this process, we find ourselves saying, I wish I had. I wish I could do. I wish I could be. And so instead of saying, you know what, celebrating somebody else instead of praising somebody else because of our struggles in our personal life, and our home life, because of our struggles privately, we can be very condescending toward other people because there's this emotion of envy that I wish I had more than I had. And really the answer, even to that one, just to put it simply, there is this understanding of being content to look at what good we have and be grateful and be content with it. But these are different ways. This is just the front end. This isn't going to solve our problems, but it's going to start the process to working through our problems. So the question for us is this, is what are you doing? What actions are you acting out? And what emotions are you having trouble naming? So you go through pulling away, you're struggling with abandonment. Confronting, struggling with pride. Controlling, struggling with incompetence. Deflecting, struggle with vulnerability. Perfecting, struggling with the fear of criticism. Backfilling, struggling with disgust. Overthinking, struggling with shame. Combating, struggling with jealousy. Condescending, struggling with envy. So if you see what the action is, then you can name your emotions. And the step then is to bring that to God, to say, God, this is what I'm feeling. Help me as I'm processing through this. Help me work through this emotion that I'm feeling. So now that we have um, this understanding of how do I identify your emotions. The next step for us is to take a look at specifically how to process your pain with God. So uh, 
we want to get as practical as possible. And there is four parts to this. We're going to talk about the what, how, uh, what to do in processing, how to process your pain. And then number two is when. Number three is how specifically to facilitate the processing of the pain. And then last of all, we're going to look at the why. Once we get the why nailed in, it'll go ahead and dialed in. It'll go ahead and help us with understanding um, and the motivation behind it. So first off, we're going to look at number one, what. There's practical activities we can do to facilitate processing the pain that we're going through this difficulty and struggle that we have. And so a couple of different things um, you can take note of or just uh, a lock in will be to write, to pick up a journal and get some kind of, whether it's um, a nice journal that you pick up from a bookstore like Barnes & Noble has some expensive, um, some are really, really nice leather bound um, journals, or you can get something that's maybe a little less expensive, but still gets the job done. Or you could even do just uh, uh, like a, a spiral bound, you know, 25 cent notebook from, you know, Walmart or whatever when, uh, or get it for a penny when school, school kicks back in. And so you can go ahead and just start writing down uh, what you're going through, writing down your thoughts as you process through what you're going through. You can also keep a note maybe on your phone. You can pull up your notes app and just jot down thoughts as they come come to you and things that you're thinking through. And what happens is instead of uh, this just constantly mulling over and rolling around in our mind all these different thoughts and trying to it's trying to like uh, I heard somebody explain it this way it's trying to construct a, uh, a like a, a chicken coop in a tornado or in a hailstorm. There's pieces flying everywhere, and you just got to grab them and nail them down as, as soon as possible. And so sometimes to bring some relief to the worry and the frustration and all the processing, when we begin to write down those things and get them out of our head, out of our heart, and on paper, it opens us up for uh, being able to help process better. Another way to process practically what to do would be to uh, talk to a friend, somebody that you trust, somebody that you can talk to, somebody that is uh, close to you that you know from the past has been trustworthy, that they don't share your business or what's going on, and something that you can really uh, get with and talk to. Another way, maybe if you're not a writer or a talker or maybe a, you know with your thumbs on your phone, you can actually sit down and pull up like a Word document and begin to type out those things and just put the date at the top and then say, God, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm feeling. This is uh, kind of what I'm struggling with. And as you begin to put down those thoughts and ideas and begin to process through and say, God, this is what I'm struggling with, and this is what I'm feeling, and this is what I'm thinking, all of a sudden you begin can begin to kind of make sense of, of where things are at and what's going on. As you think about, well, what am I going to write and what am I going to say to God or maybe say to this person, specifically when it comes to praying to God or writing out what you're thinking as you're processing some statements that you can make to God or you can write out would be, one statement would be like this. You can say, God, this is what I'm going, what's going on in my life right now. God, this is what is going on in my life. And then you can fill in the blank. God, I'm facing the situation at work. God, I'm facing the situation at home. God, my job is getting too difficult or my job is too easy and it's just not fulfilling. My health isn't what it used to be or my health uh, isn't good right now. My friend walked away. My friend betrayed me. My friend doesn't understand me or they didn't involve me or didn't invite me. And so this is the situation, God, that I'm going through. 
Another thing that we can write down that you can type out or just share with a friend is to say that I don't understand God. God, I don't understand why you, and then fill in the blank. God, I don't understand why you would take this person away from me. God, I don't understand why you would allow this job to fall through. God, I don't understand why you're providing for other people, and I hear other people getting their bills paid for and just random money showing up at their door. And yet for me, I'm barely making it. I'm working two jobs. I'm doing my best. I'm I'm doing what I believe is right, and yet I'm still going through this painful situation. God, I don't understand why you, and then fill in the blank. A third way is to say, God, I have done my part by and then fill in the blank. So as you're praying these things, as you're writing these things out, God, I have done my part by, I've been praying. God, I've been keeping right relationships. I've been going to church. I've been reading my Bible. I've been uh, uh, being generous. I've been giving back to people and giving to you, God, and still I'm going through this situation. Another phrase that would go along with this is, God, I haven't been this, but I have, but I've tried this. God, I haven't been always, uh, you fill in the blank, whatever it might be. God, I haven't been always kind to my spouse, but I've tried to do the laundry or take care of the kids or do this thing. God, I haven't always been on time with the projects at work, but I really tried my best to put forth a good effort. Another statement with this in, in, in praying is, God, this is not fair because, and you can fill in the blank, God, this isn't fair because and so the idea is this, is that we're bringing these things to God. Another way, uh, just some phrases you could say would be, God, I feel like, and you can fill the blank, God, I'm angry because, God, I'm lonely, God, I'm sad. And what we just had talked about just uh, early on in this um, episode of this, the, the podcast, we talked about naming your emotion, and this is where this would really kick in. You'd say, God, I feel abandoned, God, I'm pulling away from my friends because I'm afraid that they'll reject me. God, I'm being very, uh, there's a lot of confrontation in my life, and I feel like nobody's listening to me, and I'm very combative, and uh, my my coworker just told me yesterday that I'm always causing fights, or my girlfriend told me out of the booth that she doesn't want to spend time, spend time or go on a date tonight because I'm stressing her out, and she's stressing me out, and that we're fighting all the time, and I don't understand why this is going on. And so you you name those emotions and bring those things before God. As you continue to process a couple more ways to practically process your pain, a great way is to punt. If you need help and it's, hey, I can't do this alone and I don't have any friends that I can talk to, I would seek out a good Christian counselor, somebody that can sit down and talk to you about these things and ask the appropriate questions, somebody who's been trained in dealing with depression or, or the struggles that you might be going through. And then uh, also, if you're involved in church somewhere, if you're involved in uh, a place where you have a religious community, you have people that you maybe have some surface relationships with, it might be an opportunity for you to write down and share a prayer request and just pass it on to a pastor or somebody that you know that could pray with you. Uh, another thing that we can uh, talk about then is when, when to do all these things. So there's the activity of the what, but then there's also the activity of when should you do these things. So there's time to process your pain. Do you put it off? Do you wait for a while or do you do it right now? And so you have a once a day. Here are some things you can do once a day. Once a day, release write, like we talked about, whether it's typing something out on a computer or writing in a journal. 
You can release right. You can also, I'd encourage you to read some scripture, read the Psalms. The Psalms are a great place. They're a collection of songs of David, uh, the King David, who was the shepherd boy, the warrior turned king from the Old Testament. He poured out his heart before God. And so I'd encourage you, if you have like a version app, which you can download to your to your phone, your mobile device, and you can read different versions, uh, different translations of the Psalms, and it's great to just see different perspectives. You can also pick up and uh, uh, do a reading plan on the version app where you can type in pain or suffering and look up heartache or these different uh, words that describe uh, going through adversity. And you can find great devotional, great reading plans where there's just a couple of thoughts about going through pain. And then there's some scriptures that you can read as well to go along with that. So that's something I would encourage you to do once a day. Release right, uh, read a psalm or to go ahead and start a version plan. You don't have to do all of them or just do some of them, but something you can do on a, on a daily basis. On a weekly basis, it's extremely, extremely important. I would encourage you to get plugged into church, to get into church. I always tell uh, the, the people that I pastor and that I work with, my church family and friends, what's amazing to me, and, and I get it, I understand where it comes from, that in our deepest, darkest moments, there's this disconnect that the last place we want to go is church. The last group of people I want to have to face and see are people that are churchgoers, and yet that's the place that we need to be most. Not that God can't work in your home, or God can't work out in the middle of a field, or God can't work in your car, or God can't work at your workplace, or God can't work in that you know at the beach or the forest or wherever you like to get away to, but there's something about going to a place where you worship God where you have time to hear from God and a chance to connect to other people. Even in the midst of your grief, whether you're open and you're maybe a little extroverted or or you want to feel like you can share with people, or you just say, I, I don't really want to share with anybody, I'm very private and I want to keep it to me, but there's something that can happen where God keeps us uh, plugged in. Where I've seen people struggle is when they pull away from church, where they pull away from their groups, and when they're totally disconnected. And the, the, the reality is Satan doesn't play fair. He loves it when people isolate themselves and pull away because it's just like a lion going after uh, its prey. They look for the young, the weak, the sickly, and specifically those that are on the fringe, on the outside of the herd, on the outside of the flock, on the outside of the group. And he'll go try to pull them away, cut them off from the rest of the group from protection, and then go after his prey. So church is a great way that you can 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 continue a good habit to have to be in church each week. Another thing that you can do once a week is to get a morning, afternoon, or evening away to pray, write, to think, to talk. Maybe you do an uh, go for a walk in the evening after dinner time, or maybe you get up early in the morning and go for a hike, or go hit a trail somewhere near your home, um, or maybe it's a time on your day off where you take an afternoon that you schedule in for maybe a half hour or an hour or more where you get a, get some time uh, once a week where you can just process what's going on. And even as you, you do this, you can do some writing and do some praying, maybe talk to a friend. Uh, maybe you get a book that is encouraging on, on dealing with pain and suffering and, and, uh, and, and, and uh, going through those issues. So that would be once a week. Once a month, I would encourage you to try to set up a meeting with a friend. Maybe once a month that you'd go out and get a cup of coffee or spend some time with them. Also would uh, include here the idea and concept of seeing a counselor like we had mentioned earlier. The third uh, aspect is how. How do we do these things? Tips on putting the activities 
and the times into effect. So we can have the what, we can know when, but then how do we facilitate all these things that we want to do? A couple of ways would be to uh, to implement the, the processing of pain would be to get up a little bit earlier each day, maybe 15 minutes earlier than normal. Set your alarm clock, go to bed 15 minutes earlier, and then get up 15 minutes earlier just to have some time to spend reading, getting your mind right, to begin to process through. It's so hard because one of the temptations is to, to kind of sit and do nothing, to maybe veg, to escape, to uh, maybe watch, just binge watch something, to uh, go ahead and just try to numb ourselves from dealing with what's going on. But one of the greatest ways I've found is as I've gone through and processed through different seasons of life, I have to spend some time. I, yeah, sure, I do numb. I do I do uh, escape and do, do what I can. But if those things go unchecked, this is where people who really struggle even with addiction, maybe you struggle with um, drinking too much or taking pills or something to numb the pain so you can deal with and try to cope with and process life, all those lead to, you and I both know that those just lead down a path that's not healthy, that's toxic, and that takes us away from being healthy and being whole. And so spending time implementing these different techniques by getting up early. Maybe you're not a morning person, maybe you're a night person, and the idea would be to stay up a little bit later. Turn off the the your phone, turn off the TV, turn off the iPad, whatever it might be, and get your notes out maybe that you've taken from this episode and begin to write down uh, what's going on and to, to process before you go to bed. I, I promise you, you try it just a couple of nights and see how that impacts your sleep. And it takes time, and we go through seasons of pain, and it's not going to be fixed right away. But as you begin to write and begin to pray, especially before you go to bed, if that's the last thing that you go to bed on, thinking about those things, it can set you up for a good night's sleep, which is one of the big culprits uh, when you go through seasons of pain is the lack of sleep. Another uh, thing you can do is plan in moments to process. So look at your calendar and plan in those moments to process, just like we talked about, whether it's once a week where you're getting church, put it on your schedule, make a point to uh, call a friend and say, hey, please call me Sunday morning or whenever the church service is and that I'm there. Maybe it's a Bible study or a small group that you're a part of and that a growth group and that you want to have them please check in on me and make sure that I'm there. Uh, I'm not going to want to be there, but please check on me to make sure that I'm there. Another how-to tip is to put the what in your calendar. And this kind of goes with the last point. Uh, put in when you're going to write, do your release writing. When are you going to pray? When are you going to do lunch with that friend? When are you going to contact the counselor and get the phone number and set up the appointment? So those are the what, when, how, and then the last one is this, is the why. And we'll wrap it up for this episode. The why is this. You need a reason to keep going forward. When you know why you're doing what you're doing, it'll ease up the frustration and the discouragement. When you have a focus and a, and a purpose for what you're doing, it all of a sudden begin to pull things together and begin to realize that God is not doing this because he's mad at you. God is not allowing this because he doesn't care about you, but God is allowing this to happen to grow you and to reveal himself to you. God is using this situation to cause you to prepare you for the next level, the next stage of growth and maturity so that you can reach out and be able to help other people so that you don't get stuck in your life, so you don't get self-focused and self-consumed and begin to grow and blossom and mature in your walk with God. When you think about your why, your active engagement in the processing your pain will could possibly be the thing that saves you from carrying it with you later. So if you deal with it now, 
You won't be looking 25 years from now still having the same hangups. You've met those people. You work with them. You may, you may be married to this person. You may be a family member to this person where you know that they're, they're stuck and they don't know what to do. What's because they had unprocessed pain from their past. Processing pain with God helps you to grow as a person. When you understand that why do you have to process and do this dirty work of dealing with these emotions and dealing with your situation, it helps you to grow and helps you to realize that, first of all, I'm not the only one, that God isn't mad at me, that God is using this to grow me and help me to mature. And so I've stopped being so self-centered and self-focused and and chips away this narcissism that plagues us in our society, even in our churches today. Processing pain with God helps you to know God in a better way. What we see from the story of Job is that Job comes through all those 30-some chapters until he finally comes face-to-face with God, and God says to him, where were you? He asked that simple question, where were you? And the answer from Job that he doesn't give, because it's just really rhetorical, it's a, a self um um, introspective question. Job wasn't there. Job wasn't there when God created the foundations of the world, when he set the seas in place, when he put boundaries uh, to the seas and put the dry land. God put the paths of the seas and put the stars in place and created the animals and he created the dinosaurs and the different uh, creatures that roamed the land that those things and the way the seasons work and where hail and snow come from and all those things, we know from science today we have a better handle on these things, but there's still mysteries all around us that we have no idea, no understanding of, yet God continues to allow this this universe and creation to continue with time to move forward. And so it helps us to understand God better. Processing pain with God develops our trust in God, that God can take us through difficult times and He still can be trustworthy. Processing pain with God creates a skill that we can use for later. We talked about uh, um, this topic. If you spend any time and listen to the podcast, listen to the messages, or been around Greater Philly for any length of time, um, and hear my my writings and different things like that, Romans 5, 3 through 5 is so crucial. It's the tribulation, the pain that we go through, leads to patience, and that development of patience creates experience, that is maturity, that is we understand life, we understand how things work, and that experience develops a hope. A hope is an anticipation of good to come, that the best is yet to come, that this moment in my life is not the rest of my life, it's just that, it's just a moment in my life, and that hope then leads us to being unashamed because God's love is shed abroad in our hearts. And when God's love is shed abroad in our hearts, we can shed abroad the love of God in the lives of other people. We can love people with no expectations, live, loving them with unabandoned. And so God gives us this skill that we can use later as we face the next challenges and pain and difficulties we go through. And then last of all is this processing pain with God prepares us to be able to help others process pain. If you can imagine right now in your circumstance, and I... I'm hoping that the things that you're hearing today, that they're helping you, that they're giving you some some uh, some perspective. You say, well, how do you know this stuff, Pastor Matt? Uh, Matt, how do you understand some of these things? It's because of having to go through these steps and these processes and these stages myself of dealing with my, my painful situation. And it's hard. Sometimes we sit back and we say, well, you don't understand pain, or you don't understand my pain, or your pain isn't as bad, or your pain is worse than mine. So how can we connect? Everybody goes through difficulty. Some are huge, huge losses of loved ones, and some people don't have those kind of depths of pain and sorrow. But regardless of the fact, we all have these moments that are define us, these painful moments that really define us. 
And so when you process what you're going through, you can have the capacity then to turn around and tell somebody else, hey, everything's going to be okay. That you're struggling, what you're going through right now, that it's going to be okay. The problems that you're facing right now that are so uh, large and so huge and seem unsurmountable, it's going to be okay. That you're going to get through what you're going through because God is with you. That there is hope and there is light at the end of the tunnel. And no, it's not a train coming your way. That God is good and that you can trust him. When we begin to put all these pieces in place, when we begin to realize and understand how God works in our lives, we can begin to trust him and move on in our lives and become mature and become whole as a person. We can win within, we can win with others, and we can win with God. There's that peace within, peace with others, and peace with God. And that, ladies and gentlemen, that kind of life is the life I want to live. And that kind of life, I hope and pray, is the life that you want to live as well. Hey, thank you so much for listening. I hope that this was an encouragement to you. I hope this was a help to you. And look forward to the next time we can get together and and talk through these things and wrestle through these things together and so that we can have a better understanding of ourselves, our relationships, and Jesus Christ in our lives. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I hope it was encouraging and inspiring. If you'd like to know more information about Greater Philly Church, you can go online to greaterphilly.church. You can also find information on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook about the church as well. I'd love to be able to connect with you on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Matt, M-A-T-T, Manny, M-A-N-N-E-Y. I've also got a blog with great content that you can find more information about at mattmanny.com. I hope the message today helped you to understand yourself, your relationships, and Jesus better in light of what he's done for you. Thanks so much for listening.